Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Well, good morning to all of you. I appreciate you being here again today. Rachel, I sure appreciate you being, I know that uh, you're probably out in the foyer area right now, but I appreciate getting uh, to see Rachel. I realized when she was here the first time, I kept thinking, boy, that girl really looks familiar. That girl really looks familiar. Where do I know her from? And in fact, uh, she was familiar. Um, I met her first at Burger King. I think it was at Burger, is that Burger King? Yeah, I think. Well, anyway, not, not Burger King, but anyway, uh, Hardy's. Hardy's when it was down the street. She worked there, and I thought, that is really a special person, because she was always gracious, always kind, always good, and I really did appreciate her. And then to see her again and to see what she's involved in, I'm, I'm grateful to God for what she's doing. Restoration is a, a, a valuable thing. Matter of fact, if you've, if you've noted for some years now, our message series is called Being a Restored Human. That conversation came up. Uh, with another friend of mine, Jonathan Sherwood, we were talking about how important restoration was, and that is pretty much the reason that Restoration Ranch is called what it is called, because God is in the business of restoring people. How do we live as restored people? Listen, when he gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you were restored as the human being you were supposed to be. Sin had caused us to depart from God. When you trusted Jesus Christ, he brought you back into that. He's restoring in you the image of God. You're being conformed to the image of God day in and day out. That's the work that's going on in your life. But how do we live that way? And that's what this whole message series for a number of years has been about. How do we live as restored people? And today is no different. Um, for those of you who are waiting for us to get started with our Revelation study, that will start back again in the first Sunday in June. Uh, and on that first Sunday in June also, just let me say, we will be having a baptismal service. If you need to be baptized, if the Lord Jesus Christ has placed on your heart that you are uh, one who needs to follow him obediently in baptism and you have not as yet, we'll give you the opportunity on that day to be a part of it. Please call the church office and say, I want to be included in the baptismal service. But please do it right away. We'd like to have a class to everybody so everybody understands what we're doing with baptism. All right? Uh, today, we're going to have a responsive reading. So let's, let's take a look at what our responsive reading is for today. We're going to be from Revelation chapter 19. And this one, once again, is going to be about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I thought it was going appropriate. It just landed on this time. And I thought on the day we're having the Lord's table, it's a great opportunity for us to review what's going to be happening. This is, this is your future. This is what's going to be happening a few years from now. All right. Let's stand together and we'll read that, that passage of Scripture. Uh, this is following the point that the angels have just sung that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Christ. So everything's being restored to Christ, and they've just said, Alleluia, Lord God, omnipotent reigns. All right? Now this is what it says next. Let us be glad and rejoice. Give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell as feet. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Praise the Lord. You can be seated just now. Today, because it is a restoration, or I'm sorry, it is Restore Network uh, Sunday, we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14. And the title of the message is simply because it's right. Because it's right. Um, we've, we've become a very pragmatic people. We want to do things. We want to see what the benefit is in doing it. 
So we'll wait and see. Uh, if something's not got a benefit, we cancel it. We just decide not to do it anymore if it didn't have the benefit that I needed to derive from it. And that's coming in, in part because we are a, a profit society. We believe in making a profit. So we want to know what's the benefit I get out of it. Can I just say to you, there are some things that you do simply because they're right. God said to do it, and that makes a good reason why to do it. It's not necessarily because there are times when, when people say, what's it going to take to get our country back to where it belongs? If we did this, if we did this, if we did this. Folks, if we know that it's right to do, why wouldn't we do it? Regardless of whether the country comes back or not. We do some things because they are right to be done. We do some things because God said to do it, and because God said to do it, that's all you need to know. If it does not profit, it would be because God didn't allow it to profit. But God has called us to that life of doing what is right. So we're going to be looking at that in just a few moments. As we'll, be looking, uh, we'll be in Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14. So you're going to take your Bibles and turn them there, take out a sermon outline. And now I'm going to do a little bit of promotion. This Wednesday night will be our first Wednesday night in what we call our Summer Community Fellowship Dinners. We're eating meals together all summer. There'll be about 16 Wednesday nights that we'll get to meet all, all summer long. And the first one will be this coming Wednesday night. In Facebook community and I think in the church page, the, um, there's a, a posting listed about what to bring for that dinner to share. I think there are postings all around the, uh, the area here that tell you what to bring. If you're a certain letter, A to M or whatever it is, or I don't know all the letters there, but A to M, you're supposed to bring a certain thing. And if you're N to Z, you're supposed to bring a certain thing. You can find those posted all kinds of places. So please take note of that. We'll look to see you. I'd like for you to bring it about 530, between 530 and uh, 10 to 6. Uh, the reason is because I'd like to start serving at 10 to 6 so that we can be pretty well done with a meal by 625. We've got some other things we're going to start at 625. We have uh, two weeks that we'll be working with uh, some material that I want you to work with, and we're, we're going to be working with those. But then on June 1st, that Wednesday night, we'll be starting through this book. It's called Live Not By Lies, and we're going to be using this book as uh, our reference point. There are 11 chapters in this, and there'll be 11 Wednesday nights that we'll be discussing this. The first one will be June 1st. We did not buy bulk uh, books here to have for us. Uh, actually, it was more expensive to buy the bulk, bulk number of books to have them available to be sold here. But you can get them from Amazon, and if you have not tried Abe Books, that's A-B-E, just like Mr. Lincoln was, A-B-E Books, you can find discount books there pretty cheap. I've been amazed. I think I got uh, this book on Amazon. I think it's $17. And I picked up uh, uh, another book for $10. That's including shipping. So please take note of that. But if you're going to use A books, uh, then you need to order it right away because it takes them a little longer to ship books. It's coming from book dealers all across the United States and United Kingdom. So it would be good for you to get it ordered then. But we'd like for you to have those books in and have that first chapter read by June 1st. That's what our discussion will be on June 1st. Did I confuse everybody well? It's a gift. I have the gift of confusions. And I'll praise the Lord. All right. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful to you. What an awesome God that you are. Not only there, you're good, perfect in all your ways. And not only that, even though you could just have wiped us out, be done with us, you speak. You gave us your word. So what we're about to look at is your word to people, real people in real time, real words. Thank you for the promise of your word and your truth. Now, Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you will minister greatly to us just now. We need, by your Spirit, to hear from you. We want to do the things that are pleasing in your sight. We know that's what we're for. We're about pleasing you. So we ask in the name of Jesus that you would allow us to do those things pleasing in your sight. And then, Father, if you would, by your mercy, we would ask that you would restore the people in our community. 
Restore them to the truth that it is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Restore them to the good things that the Lord Jesus Christ has given. Restore them to the order that you made for the whole cosmos. Father, I pray in Jesus' name you'll bring people to faith in Christ. Revive the church of Jesus Christ, Father, that we may not be fooled by the culture any longer, that we might walk in truth in all our ways. Thank you for what you'll do. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name, for every place that the gospel is going to be faithfully spoken this day. All around the Fairview Heights, Father, with my brother pastors and the, the teachers that are in, the, in their Sunday schools and all their life classes, I'm asking, Father, in Jesus' name, that the truth of the Word of God will be spoken in every single one of them, that the body of Christ will be built up in truth. And again, I thank you and praise you for what you'll do. We thank you for our brothers and sisters that are in Bangladesh, that are all over in Spain, that are in India. We pray for our brothers and sisters ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ in Brazil, in Africa. Father, we thank you and praise you for what you're doing. Bring that gospel of Jesus Christ to bear in people's lives that people may be saved. Thank you for the promise of what you've got coming to all those who put faith in Christ. And we've, we are uh, fearful, Father, properly so, for the things you've said are coming in judgment. Teach us to do right. Now, thank you for the fear of God and thank you for the love of God. We pray for our authorities that they'll both know those, that they'll understand the fear of God, for there are many things you're doing, Father, that we recognize and see already are not truthful. They're not speaking truth. Father, we see already they've set many new agendas that have little to do with governing the people of this great country that you've given them the privilege to do. So we ask that you have mercy on them, grant to them the fear of God, that as in they live in the fear of God and know that they are but men, that you'll grant to them the love of God, that they might know who Jesus Christ is. And to this end, we're going to thank you and praise you for the sake of Christ. Amen. Deuteronomy 28. The Scriptures say, uh, now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, do you get the, the picture from this that God is saying, I'm about to tell you, th I've, I've told you things to do. Now I'm going to tell you, obey these things and do them by faith. Trust me in this. I know what I'm doing in building this great country. I know what I'm doing in building you as a nation. I'm not experimenting here. I'm telling you what will make a blessed nation. I'm telling you how I intend to bless you. I'm asking for you fidelity. I'm asking from you faithfulness. I'm asking from you simple obedience. We're in this whole marriage covenant together. As you know, this is to Israel. This was not written to the Gentiles. This was not written to Egypt. This is not written to Midia. This is not written to Babylonia. This is written to Israel, and he's telling Israel, I'm going to make you high above all the other nations, that the nations will look at you, and they will see what a great and awesome God I am. All right. Uh, matter of fact, I'll read that to you in just a moment. From there on, he starts giving the blessings. So if you'd look from verse 3 on, here's what he says. Blessed will you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. That kind of covers everything, doesn't it? Blessed shall the, be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, and the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Does it sound like he's going to take care of them? And why was he going to take care of them? Because they were going to follow the things he was giving them to build a good nation. He goes on to say, Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Then he said, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then 
all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods. And he goes on to tell them more the blessing that's going to be. But he told them, I'm going to bless you in the ways I just told you, but I am going to be with you. That's what's going to be great. That's what's going to make you a great nation. I will be with you, and people will know you're called by my name. Now, let's get this. I am a, 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 a Bible understander. I want to preach the Bible. I want to teach the Bible. I know this is written specifically to Israel. I know it was not written to Edgemont Bible Church. I know it was not written to America. This is a promise given to this particular people and their descendants. But I know that the principle holds. Though the promise is not given to us, the principle holds nonetheless. These are things God has said he would do to any people that would believe him. Specifically, he said it to Israel about the land they were going to be in, and it was specific so that all those other nations who, if you remember, had been given to the authority of the, the counsel of God, that they would look and see Israel is superior. The way of the Lord is a superior way to the way that we have learned, and those nations would turn to the Lord. If you remember, what was supposed to happen with the divine council is that they were supposed to give to the nations information on how to become, how to get restored to God again after the Tower of Babel. They were supposed to have taught them how to seek the Lord that he may be found, just like Acts chapter 17 had said. They didn't do that. So God is taking his own select people, and he's going to do something blessed with them that all the nations of the earth will be blessed, just like he had promised Abraham. Everybody with me so far? All right. Let's just take a look at them. I want you to see what he had said. God offers the way of life, calling on us to choose life over death. Look, when we talk about being pro-life, kids, it's, 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 it's the most logical thing you can do. It, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it, even if there, there wasn't faith in God, it just makes sense. Why wouldn't you choose life over death? Well, God said to Israel specifically, see, I set before you this day life. Therefore, choose life. Don't choose the way of death. He's telling you, this is how you live. Don't choose another way because every other way is the way of death. All right. So let's, let's take this. Choose life over death. He gave them the Torah. The Torah. Now, kids, here's where I want to go with that. The Torah is all that that we call the Old Testament, especially those first five books. And the Torah is a word that means instruction. It doesn't mean law. It, what happens with us with this whole matter of the Torah, we begin to think that Torah starts at Exodus 20, and it runs through the end of Deuteronomy. So there's the law. That's part of Torah. Torah starts at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Torah. Well, duh, we say, why would we? Of course, that's true. Why would The society does not know that's true. Do you follow me? We live in a society that does not believe that. They believe that somehow things exploded and chance created this world that we're living in. God's instruction to people that we were supposed to believe this Torah, this way of life is, I created the heavens and the earth. Here's what I did. He's not telling us how he did it. He's telling us what he did. Why? So that you'd have something to say to the rest of the cultures who don't believe that. Here's the truth, guys. It didn't happen in this phony way that you're having to believe now. It happened this way. And because it happened this way, here's Adam and Eve. And because that happened this way, here's why sin's in the world. And because that sin's in the world, here's why you got to have Christ in the world. You follow where we're coming from? That's his instruction. That's what Torah is. That's the way of life. To believe something else is the way of death. 
So he's saying to them, choose life. Then by the time we get up here to where the cross is, he's now giving to us the gospel. Because even though he had given Torah back here, people had denied Torah. They had walked away from the instruction of God and were following all the idols around them. Here at the gospel, he's now speaking to reclaim Torah and to give to the Gentiles now the good news so that all the nations of the earth could now come to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody see where we're at? So he set that before them. He's saying, choose life. Then the Torah and the gospel. Let me just share with you. Torah is not about doing things that God would justify you. You can't be justified through Torah. Faith in Torah, you can. Faith in the justification that comes by believing God, you can. But when God gives a law about living in the land, it's about living in the land. It's not about being justified before God. Does that make sense to everybody? Listen, this is, this is important to get. If we don't get this, we'll keep talking about behaviors. Our salvation is not based on behaviors. It's based on who are you trusting. You're not going to hell because you were a bad boy. You're not going to hell because you were a bad girl and behaved badly. You're going because you rejected God. You said, I don't want you in my life, and hell is the promise of God, then you won't have me forever. You will lose any relationship with me forever and any possibility of relationship with me. Do you understand that when you reject God in your life, you're rejecting him for eternity? That's the danger of hell, kids. Today, you can have a relationship with the one who knit you in the womb of your mother who created all this world around you. You can actually have a personal relationship with him. But on that day that you, your life is terminated, it's done. You will not have a relationship with him. Everybody with me? So listen to this. Justification before God. It's always been by grace, through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of our own works. Why? Because it's right. That's what God did. God's the only one who could justify you. Why? Because he's the only one you have to be justified before. You don't have to be justified before Joe Biden. You don't have to be justified before the Secretary of State. You don't have to be justified before the governor. You don't have to be justified before the mayor of any city. You have to be justified before Almighty God. And he's the only one who can justify you. And he has declared this, the only way I allow people to be justified before me is by grace, through faith, that not of themselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Everybody with me so far? Let's go to Deuteronomy 30 just for a moment. Deuteronomy 30, just a couple of pages over. Let's see what God had said to Israel in verses 11 to 29. That's a long way. Do I want to do all of those? Let me see. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's do. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us to bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. In other words, it's not a secret thing. I didn't put the thing secretly and hide it in heaven someplace. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it. So they're not having to go any place for us. What is the secret of life is right before them. Matter of fact, it's not even really a secret. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. So he said, I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm not hiding anything from you. Here it is. Believe me. Just believe me. If you believe me, I'll justify you. The just shall live by faith. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. 
in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgment, that you may live and multiply. Live and multiply. Where would you do that? On the earth. Everybody follow where I'm coming from? He's giving commandments about them living in the land. It's not telling them how to be justified. It's faith that justifies you. It goes on further. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods, stop. If I turn away and I worship other gods, what did I do? I broke trust with God. And breaking trust with God was what cost me. You follow that? It was breaking trust with God that cost me. When I said, I don't trust you anymore, I trust these idols, I have been lost. I'm not justified at that point. Here, He goes on. And worship other gods and serve them. Verse 18, I announce to you today that you shall perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness to get today against you that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them. All right? That was the promise. And it's all about believing God, whether it's Torah or it's the gospel. It's about believing God and what he's revealed to you. Let me go on to letter B. Having chosen life, there are actions of faith-filled obedience to practice the way of life as the demonstrations of that justification relationship. So we've, he's shown us the plan of the way of life. He's shown us the principle of the way of life. And now he's showing us the practice of the way of life as the demonstrations of that justification relationship. These actions do not and cannot justify us. Only faith does. This is eternal life. These actions work for building community life with one another and with God on this earth here and now. Kids, that is true politics. That's true politics. Politics. What is politics? We'll, we'll say, I don't want anything to do with politics. You can't keep from having to do with politics. Politics is polis. That means a place. The, the metropolis, your metropolitan. That means a place, a region. And the ticks on the end of it just simply means how you behave in that region. Politics is simply the code by which you behave in a particular region. This is true politics. What he's going to give to them, all this Torah was true politics. That's the way we're supposed to behave in any polis, in any community, in any group, all right? That's true politics. Well, he gave us the plan. He gave us the principle. He's giving us the practice, so he's telling us all these things here to do. And the reason to do them is about how to live here with each other, not about how to be saved. Everybody with me on this? The book of Proverbs is not a, a book that tells you how to get to heaven, though you could read the Proverbs and understand how to get to heaven. The book of Proverbs is how do I get along with everybody? How do we get along together? It's a political book. Everybody follow me? It tells you a whole lot about what makes someone righteous. It tells you what makes somebody wicked. It tells you about what makes somebody a diligent person, what makes somebody a slothful person. It tells you what makes the blessing of a person. It's about living here and now. Kids, this is a great problem for the church of Jesus Christ. We're missing out on how to live the here and now, and the culture is telling us how to do it. One of the reasons I wanted us to go with this is live not by lies. The culture is lying about what it takes to get along with each other. The culture is not telling you the truth. We are a people who know the truth. It has been given to us, and we're supposed to spend some time in it and then some diligence in it to make 
practice of what he told it, but on the preservation. And here's where I want to get to today, the preservation of that way of life. How do we keep it going? This is why I appreciate so much what Restore Network is trying to do because Restore Network is looking for restored people to take in children to teach them how to be restored people. You, you, I won't say that. I'll wait. All right. So how do we keep that going? How, how do we get it from one generation to another generation that's why what Restore Network, that's why what you're doing every day with your family is so critically important. May I share with you, there is not a public school today that's looking to preserve the way of life that has been given to believers in Christ. There's not a government school that can do that. Do you understand? It can't do it by law. Only your family can do that. Are you, are you with you understand where I'm coming from? And the more we're willing to give away our family to those who don't know the way of life, who don't know the way of truth, the more we're going to lose. How's it preserved? The way of life is the way of the Lord, the Creator. So it's going to start all the way back in Genesis. Can I say, believers, stop starting with the gospel. Go all the way back to where the beginning is. That's what makes the gospel make sense. You follow me? If I don't know I'm a sinner, then there's not such good news that says you're going to be saved. Why would I be saved when I'm not lost? It's the Old Testament that tells me I'm lost. It's the Old Testament that tells me what was the way of God? What was the way of life? How was I supposed to know it? There it was. It's Torah, the instruction of God. How do I keep that alive? All right. So the way of life is the way of the Lord, the Creator. Keeping the way of the Lord is keeping the way of life. That's to live when you're keeping that, you're keeping the way of the Lord. The agency of passing on the way of the Lord is the family. The, the agency of passing on the way of the Lord is the family. And the family's got to show what it takes to be justified before God. So the family's going to have to bring in the gospel the family's going to have to show what God had said about where we are, who we are, how we got here. And you're going to have to take in the Torah. You're going to have to take in the prophets so that you can know there's hope. The whole of the Word of God has got to be the family's basis. It's got to be the family's reason. It's got to be the family's motive and action. The agency of passing on the way of the Lord is the family. Letter A in that. The family is a husband, never thought I'd have to do this, the man, and the wife, that's the woman, are a family. When that husband marries a wife, they are a family. Now, God can add to that family, right? So God adds to the family as he wills. For the passing on of that way of life, the man and woman, or will, they'll pass it on. Whatever your way of life is, whatever you think is the truth, you're going to pass it on to your children. And may I say that for better or worse, your children are going to know what you believe, and they're going to go to the left of you. They're not going to go to the right of you. They're not going to be more conservative than you are. They're going to be more liberal than you are. Because they're going to look at some of the things that you're going to require them to understand, and they're going to say, I'll say yes to what mom and dad need me to say yes to, but me and my friends don't agree with that. And they're liable to go with their friends over you. So they're going to be to the left of whatever you're doing. All right? Let me go on further. This became interesting to me. A household is the extension of that family to all who are in that home by agreement of husband and wife. 
Sometimes that family is extended by birth. But sometimes that family is extended to a household to include more than simply those born into it. Sometimes that might include grandma that comes to live with you. Sometimes that might include a niece that comes to live with you, a nephew that comes to live with you. Sometimes it might be someone who's needing a place to stay and may come to stay with you there. At that point, it becomes a household. Listen to this. I was, I was thrilled by this. Here, if you want to have fun sometimes, just get out your concordance and just look something up. Find something that's of interest to you. Get your concordance out. Listen to these just over the word household. First time it's used, Genesis, no, I'm sorry, the second time it's used, because the first time it was used was with Noah. He said, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So he said, everything that's associated with you, get it in here, all right? Genesis 18, 19, speaking of Abraham, speaking the things that God needed to speak to Abraham, he said this, for I have known him in order that he command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abram, Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now look, Abraham had this family, but Abraham had others in that, in his household, that were extensions of that family. Matter of fact, whatever servants he got, if they were his personal servants, they became part of his household. And they lived under what the household rules were. In other words, anybody that was associated with Abram that's living under his tent is his household. That's why foster care is exactly a proper and right thing to do. They become a part of your household. And God is blessing the household. He promised a blessing to the family. He promised a blessing to the household. Everybody with me? There's, there's a couple others that, uh, please forgive me for going over them. because. It, it, but listen to this. And Jacob said to his household and to all were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves and change your garments. So that's going to include not only his own children, not, or not only his wives and his children, but their servants. They're all part of his household. Everybody with me? So whatever was brought in, whatever is under his roof is his household. Going on further. Uh, let me find another one I think is going to be. I'll move some to the New Testament because I wanted to, these, these I thought were fun. Uh, matter of fact, listen to this from the Proverbs. Again, this is about not how a woman is justified before the Lord, Proverbs 31, but it's about what the woman who's justified, who's in that covenant relationship, lives like. All right, here's what it says. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. So she's got two kinds of things working for her there. She's blessing all of them. Proverbs 31, 21, she's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's taking care of everybody that's associated with her. They're all a part of that covenant relationship that she is getting to have. Listen to this one. So the father, this is uh, speaking to Jesus, uh, where this uh, man had said, please come and take care of my son. And Jesus said, I can't, I'm not going over there, but he's okay. So the father knew that it was at the same hour which Jesus said to him, your son lives. He himself believed and his whole household. So everybody that was living in his roof became a believer because of something Jesus did. Acts 10, 2, speaking of Cornelius, says this, he was a devout, devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. In other words, this way of life is being preserved not just with him personally, but with all his household. Everybody is participating in what this man believed. Acts 16, 15, when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful, come to, come to my house and stay. She persuaded us. Acts 16, 34, speaking of the Philippian jailer. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. It's your extended family that are all those who help preserve the faith. You're passing on your faith and the things you believe to your household. 
And that's God's plan for preserving the way of life. You have the principle of it. You have the plan of it. You have the, the practice of it. This is how it's preserved. This is how we do it. I think there's one last one. Yeah, I think I want to share this one with you. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the, ready for this, household of faith. You know what that makes us? Family. Family. We are family. That's why we call each other brother and sister. That's why we ought to call each other brother and sister and our big brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, and our Father in heaven. We're a household of faith, kids. We're in a, an association with each other that is the way we're preserving the way of life. All right. um, maybe, uh, yeah, listen to this one, 1 Timothy 5.18. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Well, enough about that. I'll, I'll move on. I think you've got my point. A godly household, page 2, teaches the way of the Lord, the way of life. Why? Because it is right. It, it doesn't have to be something that is going to restore the nation. And you feel like you're doing some wonderful thing to restore the nation. God may condemn the nation. But here's the truth. It's your family he wants to restore. So I can say it this way. A family keeping the way of the Lord is blessed by God for that family. Families keeping, the, that's families plural, keeping the way of the Lord bless the community. Communities keeping the way of the Lord bless the nation. Everybody follow that? So that's simply this. A family keeping the way of the Lord is blessed by God but for that family. He's, they, they're receiving the blessings that God had promised. And, of course, there's the promises of the way of life that we read earlier in Deuteronomy 28, 7 to 14. I'll just read those back to you again. What God had promised to those who are willing to uh, be obedient to what he has to say. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you and your storehouses and all which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of the body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to you. Can I just say, I'm going to stop right there. There's more to read there, but let me just say this. Why do you think we run into problems with those things? Why do we run into shortages? Why are we running into those things? You cannot walk away from the living God without it costing you. And, and it's not simply that we, we increase production. You remember Israel decided that the way that we're going to keep on being blessed is to increase production. So they would take the one day off a week, but they refused to take the seven year they were supposed to take. And because they wouldn't give the land rest, because they wouldn't give the things rest, God moved them out of that land until the land had its 70 lost seventh years restored to it. Practicing the way of life simply because it's right. Here it is. What should a family be teaching? Trust. A family should live in trust. A family should walk in trust. A family should trust each other. And a family should teach trusting God as the most important thing they can do. What does it mean to trust God? It means to hear what God says and accept what God says over what the culture says. It means you're looking at this thing, and if God said, I created the heavens and the earth, a big duh is God created the heavens and the earth. Kids, that's what we're believing here. Oh, yeah, but I was at class, and they said that God didn't create the heavens and the earth. They were all created by chance. What kind of faith do you have to have to believe that? 
That's a bigger faith than I've got in the Lord God. I commend them for having wonderful faith. But kids, there is not a way science can prove anything about origins. Can't happen. Because it's not observable, it's not repeatable, and it's not verifiable. Don't let anybody tell you that the science favors evolution. That's baloney. That's somebody telling you about their religion, period. All right, time's gone. Let's go to this. Make sure you teach the fear of the Lord, that they're accountable. Make sure you teach your children that they're accountable before God for what they do, what they think, what they say. Teach them the Word of God, that it's the absolute truth. Teach them to always pursue truth even in the things they observe. Don't believe something because somebody said it. Don't believe something because you think you've seen it. Look it over and check the facts. Love of God, each other, community. Teach sacrifice. Sacrifice is important. I'm willing to give up my time, my energy for the family. I'm willing to give up my time, my energy for the church. Whatever it is, I'm going to learn sacrifice. And would you do this? Teach them that suffering is normal to life. Suffering is normal to life. Boy, I can't wait to talk more about that later. Teach them about freedom. Teach them about freedom. Teach them about responsibility. That If you're going to live in freedom, you've got to know responsibility. Teach them, number nine, hard work or diligence. And that diligence is your best as unto the Lord, not as men pleasers, but your best as unto the Lord. Lord, I'm doing this diligently because that's what you want. That's the way you operate. Teach them pursue wisdom and understanding. Teach them justice and righteousness. Teach them that there is things that are right. There are things that are wrong. And teach them about justice and righteousness. Teach them also at the same time about mercy and compassion. Teach them about stewardship, that they're not owners of anything, that they are those who are in stewardship. And number 14, above all that, and maybe it's inappropriate to say that, humility. Humility. Why should we do good and even suffer for it? Because it is right. Plain and simple. Because it's what God said. So here's what we say. Commitment to new community. What do we want today? Can I just say to you, put off the death ways of the culture. Brothers and sisters, I'm really thinking there's, we really ought to just take a media break. The media has learned to use that for propaganda for the generation of lies over and over again. We have been lied to so many times. I hope over the last three years you've come to understand the value of lies because we have been lied to a lot and people have made a lot of wrong decisions based on the lies of people that people have told. So check anything that counters the knowledge of God and abandon it. Look the thing over. If it doesn't match up with the Word of God and it doesn't match up with the knowledge of God, throw it away. You're not needing it. And then after you put off, put on a new way of life. Replace everything you abandon with godly habits. Remember this. He had said in his Word, telling uh, Timothy, Timothy, exercise yourself rather unto godliness. Bodily exercise is going to profit you a little bit, but exercise yourself unto godliness, knowing that Godliness profits here and then. Pursue godliness. The family and the household are the way we preserve the way of life. If the family and the household won't do it, then the way of life gets lost along the way and the way of death becomes what's accepted by the culture. People, we have been given for such a time as this that we restore the way of life. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the kindness you show to us in every way. And thank you for the instruction of the Word of God. 
Teach us how to walk in all your ways, to walk in all your truth, to walk the way you want us to walk, to practice the things, to know the principle, to understand the plan, and to live full faith, enjoying every moment of the life you've given to us. Thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Family of God, you have all the power of God. You have everything. You're fully equipped. Everything you need for life and godliness has already been given to you. It's yours by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's make use of it this week, shall we? Let's become that new community that can offer to the world the truth. They've been living in lies. They've been living in fear. Let's offer them truth. Let's show them faith. Let's show them what Christ is all about. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. um, Just as a reminder, uh, Rachel is out at her table uh, if you are interested in fostering anyway, if you do, even just if you want to simply know about it, next Sunday, four to six, they will be. Uh, she'll have a class here at the Edgemo Bible Church for for all those who are interested to find out more. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the blessing you have given to us already. Thank you so much for the kindness you show to us every day. Now we ask, Father, for the sake of Christ. You'll minister grace to us as we leave this place. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your peace, with your harmony, with your love, with your joy, that we may share that with all the world. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Make us a strong family together. For Christ's sake, We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.